Well, Happy New Year, everybody, and welcome to Sports Spectrum Football Special Number 3. I can't believe it. We're already on the third one coming around the corner. Uh, we're staring at the wildest of wild card playoffs, and that's not hyperbole. Uh, we're going to have a triple header Saturday and Sunday coming up here in just a mere couple days as we get to watch more football than we've ever gotten to watch, and it's going to be wild, and it's going to be crazy. We're going to talk some football in this episode uh, with Benjamin Watson. I can't wait to catch up with Benjamin. He's on the outside. He's stepped away from the game. He's retired but I know that he's looking at and watching it closely as well as his faith journey, which is just so spectacular as Benjamin and his wife, Kirsten have been a part of football Sunday uh, for so many years. And they are this year co-hosting the event, Super Bowl Sunday, February 7th, which is an absolute blast, but we're here uh, and we're only here because of our sponsors of football Sunday, all the work that they have done their heart uh, to see their just mission go through and go out to churches across America. And to my friends at compassion international and in particular at fill the stadium. So yeah, look at that. That was my Christmas present for my friends at compassion as we're about a third of the way you've heard me in each of these episodes, uh, just really speak to the initiative and the mission that is fill the stadium and compassion's heart to get about 70,000 kids sponsored. That's what an NFL stadium holds is 70,000. And many of our hearts desires got a tremendous team, a group of teammates in the professional world of baseball and golf and football. Uh, so many of them you've heard uh, on the first two of these sports spectrum football specials. And uh, you'll hear in the next one as well, as we lead into, um, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, football Sunday, and really our hearts desire, along with compassion, to see an NFL stadium of 70,000 kids sponsored. Go to fillthestadium.com. Uh, my wife and I, we filled a row uh, at the end of the year, uh, just really felt the leading and the calling to, to step out a little bit more in faith. Uh, so we filled a row in that stadium. And, and I challenge many of you uh, to do the same, to find family, friends, maybe folks in your office, your church, to help uh, Compassion fill that stadium. So go to fillthestadium.com. You can see the entire team there. You can learn more about that mission and the initiative uh, to fill the stadium. But uh, as I said, Benjamin Watson's going to be with us here in just a few minutes. But to learn even more about what's coming your way, Football Sunday and Super Bowl Sunday, here's a kickoff. This is Sam Macho. This is Carson Wentz. Brandon Cooks. And I'm excited to share my story. Share my story during Football Sunday. Football Sunday 2021. This year has been unlike any other year. For all of us. For all of us. But in the middle of the uncertainty, there's a unique opportunity for us all to experience the faithfulness of God. Because when the ground is shifting and the world is rumbling, God is always inviting us into something that cannot and will not ever be moved. Football Sunday 2021. Release hope. Unlock potential. Be unshaken. Well, what a treat it is to catch up with a 16-year NFL vet. <laughs> and I don't know if he's done 16 years of Football Sunday. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, but you certainly, Benjamin, have had a heart for Football Sunday over the years. And man, did you have a passion to play? When I watched you play and everybody watched you play, everybody said, man, that guy just loves to play football, to use the <laughs> gifts he's been given. And now, for the first time, you had a chance to step away. You, you, you retired after 16 years in the league. Uh, you sat on your couch, I'm sure at times, and watched some football. So what was it like, uh, Benjamin, this year from the other side of actually being a spectator and watching these guys play? 
Well, we were joking a little bit uh, before we started talking about how much better the body feels in some ways <laughs> uh, from not actually being out there uh, doing what we used to do. But uh, it was fun. It was fun. It was different. Very different uh, to not have the cadence of football, um, to not uh, know that you're preparing every week for a certain opponent or, um, you know, things like treatment, you know, all the little things. But but what I did miss the most and what everybody says is uh, the relationships and the guys in the locker room and, and building that rapport with them and, and kind of fighting together for those 16 weeks for a common goal. Uh, I did enjoy, however, uh, my son and I have a little pick em, And so we... Uh, pick games, you know, we, we pay a dollar a week just to get in. And then at the end of the season, we're going to like go, I don't know, uh, to the movies if they're open or to get some ice cream or something like that. Uh, but that's been fun, though, just kind of sitting back and, and being a fan again, um, watching from that aspect without having the pressure. Like, I don't feel pressure on Sundays, which uh, which is actually great. So as you did step away and watch one of the most unique years, by the way, you, you, you picked a good year to step away <laughs> yeah. in a season that many thought would never happen, frankly, and that we would be here. And they got through all 267 regular season games. As you simply watched the football, what did you think? What, what do you think of the quality of ball as you watched it this year? Well, I, th- I think the age old question, Brock, is, is, you know, how much offseason do we really need um, as professional athletes and football players? Um, how much offseason is enough? Are, are, are guys at a greater injury risk because they're not going to an offseason? Every CBA that comes along, there's there has been kind of a reduction uh, in the amount of contact that players uh, face. But there's also a reason behind that when you talk about protecting players. And so I think the big question coming into this year was, was the quality of football going to take a dip? Were there going to be more injuries? And I'm not sure about anybody else, but watching the the quality of football Still professional football, still exciting, riveting games, still uh, so many games and divisions coming down to the last few weeks of the season. And so it seemed to be the same uh, product that we are used to. Uh, but there were increased burdens, um, you know, talking to some of the, the players that I, I played with even last year and my wife, Kirsten, talking to some of the wives. There were so many different protocols they had to go through, so many uncertainties. Uh, and I think the stress level for so many players was kind of at, a, at an all time high just because of not knowing if we're going to play on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday uh, because a game got moved back. And so uh, when I sat back and looked at at the game itself, other than the fact there were no fans and I could tell that that was fake crowd noise, uh, <laughs> the game still seemed to be the game that we all know and love and and the game that 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 needed to come back in a way that was safe for everyone. I'm curious. Did you watch the Sunday night game where DK Metcalf chased down (laughs) Buda Baker? (laughs) Right. I'm curious because most, you know, people go back way back when one of your early introductions, (laughs) it it was 1905. (laughs) (laughs) It was was in black and white. My son asked me the other day, he's like, when you, when you um when you and mommy were born, was it black and white? I was like, son, it wasn't that. I mean, we're talking about 1980. They had color, son. Yeah. Uh, I did, but pe- I did the people that. used that your example. You chased down Champ Bailey in a playoff game, man. You didn't ever give up on that play. Before I ever met you and, and knew you, uh, there were peers of mine that knew you. Were like, man, that was amazing. And you know that high school coaches and college oh, coaches yeah. and pro coaches showed your tape of you not giving up on that play and chasing Champ down 
Likewise, DK Metcalf this year and one of the most superhuman efforts you've seen on the field. Uh, did you get a chance to see that? And did you kind of chuckle that maybe now it's DK's tape <laughs> and no longer mine? I know. Well, that's just how it goes. I mean, before I did it, there was a guy named Don Beebe and there was, you know, the, the other players that we, we don't even mention right now. And so it, it's just interesting how each generation kind of has their their play or set of plays that uh, remind them of certain character traits, in this case, perseverance. And, um, you know, I did see DK. I, I don't, I'm not sure I was watching the game. We weren't watching the game. Uh, but on in, on Twitter and social media, my name kept popping. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> then I saw his his play and saw how people were saying, no, nah, no, nah, he wasn't the original. It was Benjamin Watson. He was the original. No, nah, it was BB. It was this guy. It was that guy. That was better. That was better. Um, but dude was flying. But honestly, um, if we had uh, all the tracking devices, I would put my speed up against his any day um, when it, back then. Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> but back then, I definitely would. Hey, last football <laughs> question here uh, before we go to halftime is you had the chance to play with Tom and with Bill. Uh, sign me up as one that thought they would never be separated, that we would see them work it out and Bill Belichick and Brady uh, would finish together in New England, but they didn't. And 43-year-old Tom throws 40 touchdown passes for the Buccaneers, wins 11 games, goes to the playoffs, a rough year in Foxborough, lots of opt-outs, just seven wins up there. As you took that situation in, you're probably a good one to weigh in because you experienced it at the beginning and, and later at the end of your career. What did you make of Bill and Tom? Is there anything to gain from their different performances this year? Uh, well, one thing Coach Belichick would always say, um, you, you know, he he would say he would allude to the fact that players have to play, and a, a, as well as he can coach, and as as great a, a game plan he can devise, uh, him and his coordinators, players have to actually go out and carry that through. And I think what you saw is one of the all-time great players not being there and how that manifests itself and the repercussions that the team suffered because he wasn't there. Um, I, I didn't I didn't know beginning of the season who was going to do, do better. I, I thought the Patriots would do well simply because, obviously, they've got Coach Belichick, they've got, you know, that same defense. But then when you add COVID in and you add the opt-outs and all the uncertainty, and then you see uh, Tom go down to Tampa, um, you know, I think what you saw was a manifestation of how difficult it is to replace a guy that's been there for 20 years. And people don't realize that it's not just the fact that there's been the stability of Tom Brady being there, but it's what Tom does. You know, Brock, about quarterback and how important it is and how how having a great quarterback allows you to do so many other things. It allows you to make checks at the line that you simply can't. I've been on teams where the play that was called in the huddle, Brock, that's the play we were going to run. If the defense, if the defense knew it, we just had to go to second down. But when you've got a guy like Tom who's able to manipulate and able to read the defense and, and manipulate the defense and get out of a certain play, you always have a chance to be successful. We saw a slow start in Tampa, but now they're hitting their stride. And so um, I, I do think, however, that what uh, Tom and Bill had uh, was unprecedented. Uh, I'm never one to say we won't see something again because there's nothing new under the sun. But it may be a long time till we see that sort of a marriage of, uh, of a player and a coach. And not just those two, but all of the other players that played along with them and all the other staff members to create exactly what we had um, and what they had, even while I wasn't here, um, up here, up here in Foxborough.
including a, including their ownership. What an awesome perspective, man. Thank you for sharing that. In many ways, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to stop talking a little football uh, because in many ways, you're the Tom Brady of Football Sunday. Like you've been a part <laughs> of it for forever <laughs> and been a part of the winning program with it. And in fact, you and, and your beautiful wife, Kirsten, were a part of it and shared your story at Football Sunday. And this is what it sounded like. possibly my last game uh if we win which hopefully we do uh, there'll be another game after that which will be in atlanta for the super bowl and on that monday or tuesday i started getting pain in my stomach the next day i ended up going to uh the hospital got a couple cat scans and gave me some medicine and uh sent me home another doctor looked at my cat scan and said i think benjamin has uh, acute appendicitis you need to get him to the hospital right now a dear friend named david um came over to the hospital, prayed for me. My family was there and I woke up. That was the first night I slept the whole week. They released me from the hospital. I go back to the facility and, uh, you know, they tell me that, well, you weren't here the first two days of practice, Wednesday and Thursday, so the plan is for you not to play. Crushed. Because in my head, I had this awesome story of, I had appendicitis, God healed me. I came back in the NFC Championship, caught the winning touchdown. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's going to be a Christian sensation. That's how my mom was rolling. Late April, early May, I started thinking about, you know, maybe, maybe I want to play again. New England reached out after we made them word I wanted to play and it seemed substantial. Like, it might really be an opportunity to play. So when Benjamin decided to continue to play, then everything kind of shifts. Move the family across the country again. And so the kids are there, the guys are moving the boxes out. It's the memory of walking through the house when there's nothing in there with all the kids. practice that week. I'm not activated that first week. Then the next week, things are kind of weird. Um, and I was released. I was cut. I, was, I, I, didn't, I wasn't good enough. We had five kids. And the question we always get is, are you done? And I just didn't have the yes. And then one night I remember him saying, you know, let's let's go for number six, let's try. And so I felt like we had waited, we had been patient, um, and then we had both heard yes from the Lord. And so to go and, and then get pregnant immediately, I was like, we were supposed to have six. And so the last thing that ever crossed my mind is that we wouldn't have the baby. When it didn't work out, and we found out that we had lost the baby, I remember thinking, 
God, I thought I was doing what you said. You know, five kids is a lot. We said yes to six. We must have been wrong because surely God wouldn't allow that. And so we got pregnant again. And I said, well, maybe God really does want us to have this sixth baby. We were excited. We told the kids and then something went wrong again. The baby's not growing and um, there's no heartbeat. I'm just trying to be obedient and I don't understand. And so this time was really rough and we try again in July and then I get pregnant. I look, I'm looking at the lady giving the ultrasound and she makes this weird face. And I say, is everything okay? She's like, yeah, I see something. And so I say, well, is it a baby? Do you see a baby? And she goes, I see two babies. I look over at Benjamin, I see him walking towards the TV screen with his mouth open. And then I look at the screen and I see two, two babies. And I say, you didn't tell me you had twins in your family. Because I don't, I was like, I don't have any twins in my family. I don't we have twins. for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But what is that good? That good is not necessarily what I think good is. It's always good, but it might not always be pleasant. Then Amy says, if God loved you, wouldn't that be easy? And somewhere along the line, I've bought in that lie. Then I have to go back to truth. And I look in the Bible and I don't see that anywhere. <laughs> His promises are that you are an overcomer, that I love you, that I'll never leave you or forsake you. His promises are that I will always provide for your needs according to riches and glory. His promises are that I loved you so much that I sent my own son to die for you. His promises are that I've already written the book, so I know what's happening when you don't. His promises are eternal life. His promises are that I'll give you beauty for ashes. So Benjamin, as you see that story now, and it's in your rear view mirror, what does, uh, what does God put on your heart? Uh, I would say um, <clears throat> just a reminder, a reminder of, of his faithfulness. Um, there, there's so much over the course of our married life, uh, as we just saw um, my professional life when it comes to, you know, always seeming to fall short in some ways, but seeming to excel in other ways. Um, I, I'm just reminded of the stories that we see in scripture, uh, that things don't always end up perfect. As my grandmother used to say, what God has for you is for you. And just a testament to his faithfulness. I think about where we are now, um, a couple of years later, removed from that and just finishing up uh, my career, figuring out what we're going to do next, where we're going to transition to moving, um, moving on with our life, so to speak, to somewhere more permanent. And we're always reminded of of his faithfulness. Uh, not too long ago, uh, we went out of town during the holidays, uh, during Christmas. We came back and our basement was flooded. <laughs> Never had to deal with that before, ever. 
And we kind of bring all of our stuff with us sometimes. Well, not all the time. We bring our stuff with us because we, we live somewhere for, for a year or two years or three years and then we move. So, so not just, you know, the kids' toys, but, you know, canvases, of por- family portraits, clothing, electronics, um, e- even the twins, as we just saw the twins, you know, baby wristbands from the hospital and their little hats that, had, that said baby A and baby B on them. All that stuff was just soaked, ruined in water. Um, and so we had the high of being at, out of town at Disney and then coming home and then seeing this. And it, it hit me so hard as a father because I felt like I didn't protect my family. As crazy as it sounds, I felt like I didn't protect them. This is this is their safe haven. This is what they have in, in a life of change and disappointment. This is where they can go as kids and have fun and be kids. This is their space as I'm picking up their ruined dress up clothes and things like that. And then I'm reminded that, you know, God is faithful. And not only is he faithful, he says not to put your worth in things that are going to rust and mold and that are going to be susceptible to being stolen and destroyed. And it was a reminder to Kirsten and I, you know, in our tears of that, but also the fact that there are so many people who have dealt with so much worse, worse than that. We've lived in a place like New Orleans where people deal with hurricanes and their entire home is destroyed. And so it gave us a bit of a perspective. But as I look back at that video, um, I'm reminded that even in the hurt, even in the pain that we all feel in different areas of our life, at different times in our life, uh, God is always there. He's always faithful. We can always trust him. And not only that, while we only see one page of our story, he's not only written the entire book, but he's on that next page waiting for us. It doesn't mean that we won't experience pain, but it does mean that that he understands that and and he's there with us in the midst of it. That is awesome. And I joked earlier about you being the Tom Brady of Football Sunday, but you are like you have been so engaged. And this year you get to co-host it with Coach Dungy, Hall of Fame coach Tony Dungy, uh, which is just such a treat. I can't wait to watch it. But why? Why why is this this, you know, you get your door gets knocked on for just about everything, right? Everybody, because you're outspoken, you share your faith, you're you're an open book. So why yes once again to Football Sunday for you and Kirsten? Well, um, you know, I I have to give credit to Josh McCown number one for <laughs> for being the person to even think of this uh, years ago, uh, another quarterback. But um, you know, being a part of Proactive Outreach has been the highlight of Kirsten and I's marriage. Really, we've been every single year uh, of our marriage. So we've been married for fifteen years. The only years we've missed has been because of babies. Um, we have seven children. But fortunately, those babies only landed about twice during PAO time. And so being a part of uh, the Increased Conference and being a part of uh, Football Sunday, um, it really is an opportunity to, it's an outreach opportunity. It's an opportunity to to share our faith. It's an opportunity to challenge the body of Christ uh, during a time of tumult in our country. Uh, I mean, look, we just came out of 2020 where we've had uh, political unrest. We've had a pandemic. We've had... um, a quote unquote racial reckoning with, you know, people protesting and kind of an awareness that maybe we never had before. Um, there's so much that is, that is going on, but through that entire thread, the Bible says in Psalm 16, eight, it says, David says, I've continually set the Lord before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. And for many of us, including myself, it's felt like we've been shaken to the core in a lot of different ways over the last year. 
so being a part of football Sunday is like, hey, um, why not? <laughs> and, and, and why not uh, engage with the body, engage with churches, with pastors, with youth leaders, um, with anybody who wants to watch? Because we're in this together. And not only that, uh, Scripture provides an answer that we don't have on our own. Can you give me just a snippet? Can you give me just a little heads up of the of, of the play call sheet of what's coming? Can you give me the first fifteen of what you and, <laughs> and Coach Dungey and, and have Coach in Dungy. mind? Yeah. Well, well, the theme this year is unshaken, and it kind of uh, goes back to that verse in Psalm sixteen eight when David talks about being uh, unshaken because he has continually set the Lord before him, and so w- with that verse we uh, are going to talk about you know the ways we've been shaken. Uh, I mentioned before uh, the the health pandemic. I mentioned before about economic, the economic fallout, as well as political, but specifically when it comes to this area of justice, that's been kind of a buzzword that many of us have talked about last year, especially going into this year. And and we felt, Coach Dungey and I have felt that the body of Christ is really yearning and trying to understand how specifically we can engage with each other from a place of humility, honesty, um, intentionality, uh, but, but also a, a way that shows God's heart for justice on earth, and specifically when it comes to race in this country. Uh, this is a thread that we've you know, talked about for years and years and years. And so as a body, part of, I'll give you the first 15 for that, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. We've got stories from three gentlemen, um, Brandon Cook, Sam Macho, as well as Carson Wentz, who are going to share their testimonies, their stories. Um, about things that they've gone through and how the Lord has has um, been real in their life, but also we are going to touch on this justice theme throughout, um, with the encouragement that you know, as believers, we are called. Um, you know, the Bible talks about in Jeremiah that God being God of of justice and righteousness and kindness, and so we are called to represent Him and to love those things that He delights in as well. So, I'm delighted um, to be able to host with uh, with Coach Dungey. He's that one coach that throughout my career, Brock, I never got to play for, but he's like always the coach that guys wanted to play for. Like when we were in New England and we were getting beat down by Coach Belichick with three days and stuff like that, and we heard that the that the Colts were uh, in shorts and um <laughs> in shorts and t-shirts during practice, we were like, man, I want to go play for Coach Dungeon. <laughs> never got a chance to play for him, but he has been in my life a uh, a guiding light and someone that has has really spoken truth, um, comfort in my life, but also just been a man of God that um, people, whether they are believers or not believers, everybody respects the words that come out of his mouth because he lives with that type of integrity. Well, that's a one difference. I at least got two years. I was a backup. <laughs> I didn't play for him. I kind of watched a so lot. Is it, so is it true? Is it, it true? Is that, true man. That, that his, well, his perception and reality, how he is perceived mm-hmm. is absolutely the reality. Much like you, Benjamin, you're just, mm-hmm. you, you walk in faith, you walk it, you walk the talk and um, man, you're just a, a joy to be with. So we are so thankful that you're a part of Football Sunday. Once again, give hugs to those seven beautiful kids of yours and Kirsten as well. And we sure appreciate the time, bro. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. 
I always feel like I learned something when you spend time with Benjamin Watson, such a deep, passionate guy. And anything that he puts his heart into, you feel his conviction. And footballsunday.com, you can learn even more. Uh, a little over a month away, it's going to be here before we know it, but footballsunday.com, and you'll get more of a, more of the details and information as to, uh, to what Benjamin Watson and Coach Dungy are co-hosting with what will be an incredible event. Um, and you know what else is an incredible event? Uh, a, a team that I'm on uh, helping to for, yep, I think about the eighth time today, fill the stadium. And that is Devin and Jason McCourty, the McCourty twins, who are part of the team who have said, you know what? We can't let this stadium sit empty. About 70,000 kids have not been sponsored uh, at Compassion International this year because of the pandemic and everything uh, globally that has gone on. And Devin and Jason said, nope, I'm not going to be on the sidelines. I want to be a part of this team. I want to help fill that stadium. And here's how they're doing it. How's everybody doing? Jason McCordy here with my twin brother, Devin McCordy. We want to tell you guys about an amazing organization, Compassion International. They are working tirelessly to try to fulfill the poverty needs all around the world for young kids just to fulfill basic needs like food and education to help these kids reach their full potential. Um, and obviously, you know, COVID has really hit us hard. Um, and because of that, about 70,000 kids will not be able to have sponsorship. And, you know, that's tough right now with everything going on. Um, but we decide to help out and you also can help out. 70,000 kids. That is enough kids to fill an entire stadium. It would fill up Gillette Stadium. Every empty seat in the stadium represents a child in need that can use your help. So, like I said, our families are helping. We're donating to fill the stadium. Um, and we're not the only ones doing it. A bunch of players across all leagues are involved, but you can get involved. If you go to fillthestadium.com, this is a stadium that cannot remain empty. We're doing our part. You should come out and help as well. Well, thank you to the McCordy twins. And as again, you, as we said multiple times, fillthestadium.com, fillthestadium.com. We want to see 70,000 kids, a stadium that can't sit empty. We want to see kids around the globe sponsored. That's what Compassion International has felt like they have lost over this last year without concerts, without getting into churches. And we have an opportunity to, to help fill that stadium. And next week in our finale, we get a chance to talk to Nate Solder, an offense tackle with the New York Giants. Just a terrific guy. A couple of years ago, I got to go to Guatemala with Nate and his, and his beautiful wife and family and experience what compassion does and just their outreach. And I know Nate has such a heart. He's also been a part of Football Sunday. So a chance next week to both talk Football Sunday with Nate Solder, the offensive lineman who opted out this year, who a little bit like Benjamin Watson was watching football. So what's it been like for Nate to watch football this season? And also what's it like for, for him to really sponsor and be a part of both Compassion and fill the stadium and has such a heart as well for Football Sunday. So that will come your way next week. So appreciate you watching for Sports Spectrum. It's been a blast to be a part of this and we'll see you next week.